everyone, my name is Rachel. I am currently a mom of one beautiful little toddler. I am also a wife. I work in corporate America. I graduated from the University of Texas at San Antonio, go Roadrunners in economics. And I am super excited to be on this I guess you would call it a podcast. This is crazy. (laughs) Um, I'm super excited to be here though because I have just felt for a very long time that I've been very passionate about talking, um, very passionate about sharing information, but just not knowing what or how to go about doing that. And I thought for a long time, well, for some time, I wouldn't say a long time, but for some time I've been thinking about doing a podcast, um, but knowing that just the lane is so oversaturated and I just didn't want to be one of those. (laughs) I know it's crazy to think that um, because, you know, when you're passionate about something, there's no such thing called oversaturation. Like you come in and you do your part and you go. But um, I was a little hesitant, but I don't know. Today I was just like, I'm going to do it. And so here I am doing it. So I don't know if I mentioned, but I currently work in corporate America. I am currently like halfway on the job, halfway not on the job um, doing this podcast. But yeah, one of my main like passions is professional development. I actually started a business in professional development called A Greater You. That's my baby. That's my first ever business, first ever, I guess, legitimized doing business as type business. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. I was able to get it off the ground and we failed miserably. (laughs) I'm not afraid to say that we failed. Um, and you know what? It's okay because at the end of the day, majority of the businesses that, you know, are developed do fail. And I won't say that failure means stopping and not doing it ever again. I do see myself rebranding and revitalizing that business because I've always been doing it. Um, I'm still passionate about it and I still help people with their professional development. I just don't charge them and I don't do it under the name of a greater you. But at the end of the day, the passion is still there. So I know for a fact that I will be coming back with A Greater You. Um, We have not seen the end of A Greater You. So I'm super excited about what, you know, what what's there to come. I'm super excited. But that's not what I'm here on this call for today. Today, I am going to be talking about home ownership. And it's crazy that I'm talking about this because home ownership is one of my many passions, just real estate in general. I've always been that kid that's always looked at homes, wondering how big it looks on the inside, just always looking at HAR.com and Zillow um, all throughout college, wondering, you know, how much can I buy this house for at age 19? And it's like not even possible at this point, but, you know, just always having those hopes and I've always dreamt about owning a home. I've always been in a home. I knew that that was one of my goals. I knew that's that's something that I wanted to accomplish. So right out of college, I was determined to own a home. And so I do own a home. I own two homes, one by myself, one with my husband. But throughout that op- like opportunity of being able to own a home, I've learned so much 
And I just want to share my wisdom with people um, because I know that my generation is getting older now and they're getting into that era of buying a home, starting a family, etc. So I've been informally telling people about home ownership on my Instagram. I'll put my Instagram in the show notes. Oh my gosh, I feel like a podcaster. <laughs> I'll put my Instagram in the show notes um, so you can follow me there. I share like lots of information and a lot of people have been telling me, Rachel, you need to do a podcast. You need to do a YouTube video. And I'm just like, should I? And they're like, at minimum, you need to be a real estate agent. So I just decided that today is the day I am going to kickstart this. And you know what? Whatever happens, literally happens. I have no notes. I have no script, no nothing. I have a few points, but that's it. And I know real podcasters are beating their head against their computers right now because it's people like me that's coming in, oversaturating the industry with no real journalism, um, you know, competence. But it is what it is. I'm here. I'm going to take up space in this space and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. But yeah, let's get into home ownership. So again, like I said, I was able to work the opportunity of owning a home. I believe I bought my home in 2021. It was my first home. And honestly, um, I don't even know how old I was. I can't, I'll do the math later, but it was one of my first homes and just the journey to even get that home was just insane. So again, I was, this was like kind of in the, peak of the pandemic, but going on the other side of the pandemic. So houses were still um, two for $5. <laughs> um, but as I closed, you know, the market kind of just went crazy. But during this time of me buying the home, it was like very, very affordable. And I was able to, you know, find a home in an area that was starting to be, I don't like to say the word, but we're going to keep it honest here, gentrified. Um, and be weary of those gentrified communities because um, it, it's not always what it makes up to be. The homes are very affordable because they want you to get in there. Um, but, you know, it's not everything that make, they make it up to be. But yeah, so just a little background about my situation. So I've been working my corporate America job. I started off as an internship and then I moved on to being there full time. And so I had some work history behind me and that's something that you definitely need to have if you're looking into buying a home, like consistent work history. And um, throughout the pandemic, before I actually, you know, bought my home and even started my full-time job because I started as an intern, went back to school, and then I started my full-time job. But that little went back to school, the pandemic hit. I graduated first, but the pandemic hit immediately after. And so I had some time before I, you know, was supposed to start my full-time job and I was pregnant. So it was a lot going on, but I thank God I was able to sustain, sustain myself, sustain my child, um, my unborn baby, and just make money while I was not working. That was a, that was a huge blessing. And because I was making money while not working, I was able to save that money because I was living with my mom at the time. And, um, I was able to use that money, 
um, to kind of validate my, you know, buying power. And so we'll get into the ins and outs of what you need to validate your buying power. But just know that I had some money in the bank. I had a job. And even though I wasn't working, I was still able to validate that that was my job throughout that time. So, you know, when it comes to buying a house, obviously you need to have good credit um, or at least decent credit. I was blessed enough to have a mother that really cared about credit, really cared about not giving your social out. Like since day one out the womb, I was never allowed to have my social. I never knew it. I only knew it because I got a job and I needed it. But other than that, I I did not have the luxury of knowing what my social was. And my mom, she was not the type of mom to, you know, use my social or use her own social. Like we just did not give out our social security number. Like that was literally a like just I don't know. It was like golden, like we cannot use it. And so because I had that culture of, you know, protecting your social security number, I didn't really have to struggle with my credit as I grew older. And I had pretty good credit starting out. And so the first thing that I did to establish my credit was obviously to get a credit card. I was able to get one in college, a Discover credit card because I had good grades. So if you're listening to this early on, I highly encourage you to look into your school to see if they offer you opportunities to get a credit card for just literally being a good student, <laughs> because that's kind of how I was able to develop credit on my own. So I, you know, obviously paid my bills on time and we can do a separate um, episode where I share, you know, how to maintain your credit health. I currently work in the financial industry. So, you know, I see a lot of that stuff all the time. So if we want to discuss that in the near future, we possibly can, obviously, we'll just see how this one goes. But again, had good credit because I maintained my credit health. Um, and then obviously had the job worked as an intern. So just background on how that worked. I've went on har.com and again we can have a separate episode on you know how to find the home best ways to just step by step walk you through how to get your home and secure your home with the like least amount of emotional roller coaster as possible because when you're buying a home it is most definitely an emotional roller coaster it's not even funny. But yeah, so I was able to, you know, find out, find where my home was. I had a realtor, to be honest, and I love my realtor down bad. Okay. Like, like, let me not talk bad about my realtor because my realtor is that dude. Like I really do love my realtor, like a family member, but to be quite honest, and he knows this too. I was my own realtor. Okay. Like I found all the homes and he met me there, <laughs> but I found the home that I wanted. I actually saw a different home and they were actually building my home that I bought um, and they were closing on the home that I saw online. And so I went to the neighborhood. They told me like, hey, you know, we're closing on this home, but we have another home available. And so I found that home and we loved it, me and my husband. And well, he was my fiance then, my husband now. And we decided like, that's the home that we wanted to go with. And so we got into like the financial part. So I know a lot of times people, you know, they do the finances first and then they find their home. But the way that I 
kind of do my home search. I find the home first and then I do my finances second. I know a lot of people would not agree with that, but there is a method behind it and we can get into that in another episode. But again, there's a method behind how I do what I do and why I do it. So I found the home and then we started doing the finances part of it. And so after we did the finances, I highly recommend, obviously they're going to, you know, throw the first lender at you, which is the builder's lender. But I highly recommend that you find a lender that truly is passionate about what they do, not just trying to make a check. Because my lender, and I still have a relationship with him now, we still talk, I still, I use them on my second home. He jumped through hoops. I even used that lender for my friend and she was trying to close on her home for like two years and I gave her my lender's information and she literally closed the next month. Like my lender is literally the truth when it comes to this home buying stuff. Like it's crazy. But um, yeah, so I found a good lender, which I highly recommend you find someone that's passionate about what they do. Um, And we were able to kind of not cheat the system, but we were able to work around the system the same way that quote unquote other people, the rich, you know, work around the system without, you know, doing anything illegal. So again, I had my job. Obviously, I was off the job for a couple of months because I had to finish my schooling. Um, We was able to work around that because by the grace of God, I was having my daughter during that time. So it all made sense. It all lined up and um, we closed. So we closed, we were happy, everything was great. And you know what? I always encourage home ownership. I'm always going to promote family on this channel, marriage, home ownership, all of that great stuff. But one thing that I used to tell everyone on my Instagram is that do not rush into home ownership. I know it's a huge goal. I know everybody's doing it right now. And I know it can be very tempting to do. But if you're not ready to buy a home, then it's going to show, if it doesn't show while you're trying to get the home and close on the home, it's going to show after you close on the home and you're trying to maintain the home. Because after we closed on our home, we were great. And you know, you're if especially if you buy a new home, and it's crazy to think that new homes are worth less than, you know, homes that's been on, like been in the game for a long time. Or it's crazy to think that. You would think that a new home will cost way more, but it literally costs just about the same price because the market is just that crazy right now. But anyway, um, so getting into a new home and just having your home is one thing, but maintaining the home is another thing. And I don't mean maintenance as in like, oh, your AC breaks. You're the one that has to fix it. I wish those were just only the problems that we had. We have like real life money sucking problems. Like I have to give you my money every year. I have to give you my money every month, more money. And so, um, on my Instagram, I shared with you all about basically fighting for property taxes and things like that. These are things that I just did not know or understand as I became a homeowner. Um, just understanding your HOAs, knowing that you have to pay for your HOAs um, or they can foreclose on your home. I just got through paying my HOAs at my house um, after looking at the um, app, the HOA app, showing that they were trying to foreclose on my home because I did not realize that I didn't pay them. So 
again, just knowing what you have in front of you, if you're not ready for it, it's going to show afterwards. And there's things that, you know, luxuries that you have as a renter that you don't really have to necessarily worry about that you do if you are a homeowner. So again, knowing that you have HOAs because most communities will have HOAs, knowing that you have to pay those HOAs and abide by the HOA bylaws, knowing that they can take your home from you, knowing that they can put a lien on your home. Those are things that you definitely have to understand. And knowing that these fees and um, dues are due in the beginning of the year, every year. So even if you close on your home in December, you're due for your HOAs that next month in January. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Another aspect that I'm really battling with them now, right in this second is, um, property taxes. So a lot of times people say that they rather not, you know, rent because rent can go up. And then when rent goes up, you're paying into, you know, somebody else's ownership. And that's a very valid point. However, you know, your mortgage can go up just as much as your rent goes up. And even like more than what your rent probably went up. So my home that's in a gentrified or trying to be gentrified area went up 500 extra dollars a month because they claimed that my house went up in value $100,000, which obviously is just not true. But because I didn't protest immediately after closing on my home, I didn't know that they valued my home all the way up to that value. So we can get into protesting and what that looks like for your home and things like that. You know, protesting just means if you don't agree with how the appraisers appraise your home. An appraiser, appraiser just means, you know, someone that comes out and determines the value of your home. So the more expensive your home is, the more you're going to have to pay in taxes. So it's all arbitrary. It's all kind of like made up based on opinions like, hey, I think your home is worth this. So if someone thinks that your home is worth, you know, a million dollars, but when you go and sell it, it only sells for 500000 it sucks because you paid a million dollars worth of, t like you paid taxes on a home that was a million dollars, but your house was really only worth 500000 So you know, if you don't agree with how they value your home, you can protest it. But that's a whole nother situation. And maybe we'll have, you know, conversations and episodes about protesting and what that looks like and, you know, all of the things that come with that. But just know that there are things that you have to do to maintain your home. And these are things that happen yearly. So again, if you're not ready for a home or if you buy a home that you're just not passionate about, then you will see yourself wanting to sell the home faster than what you imagined or faster than what you thought you would. That home right now is a rental property. So right now it's not looking much of an investment for myself. Um, so that's where it gets in. Like, are you really passionate about the house or do you really just want to sell it and not have to deal with it? But those are things that come up when you're thinking about home ownership. I don't say that to scare you though, because like I said, home ownership is a beautiful thing. I think everyone should experience it, but I just think people should experience it when they truly feel ready and not when they see someone else, you know, accomplish that because it is a very, very big accomplishment. But all in all, I think that home ownership, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing, earning equity on your home. It's, it's a 
good investment. You know, once you're getting ready to sell your home, it could be your retirement plan. So I really encourage everyone to own a home, obviously, on their own time. Now, again, we can get into what it feels like and, you know, just the nitty gritty of owning a home, what you need for closing, things like that. Um, you know, some people didn't know that they needed, you know, reserves, even if you are closing with zero down payment, right? Because you're going through like a first time home buyer or a USDA loan where you don't have to put money down. You still have to have money in your reserves and people don't understand like they can't come on, you know, day two of wanting to buy their home in front of their lender and just, you know, put in like $20,000. They're going to want you to validate that. But you can, you know, six or seven months prior put in $20,000 and they won't validate that. So there's different things, you know, that people don't know that they can do to help their situation or people do that they didn't realize they cannot do that hurts their situation. So I would be happy to share that information with you all on future episodes. Again, I'm not a home advisor. I'm not a home loan um, officer or anything like that. This is just strictly from my experience of closing on two homes so far, hoping to do it over and over again, because I really want to just build my wealth in real estate. So you're on this journey with me and I'm going to share as much information as I can as I learn it in real time. So I'm super excited. If you enjoyed this quick introduction, go ahead and follow me. I don't really know. It's so funny because this is my first ever like kind of podcast video things. I don't know if they do follows or if they do likes. I have no earthly idea. But if you like this quick introduction about home ownership and what it feels like to own a home, um, definitely like it. Follow me for more because the next episode, I think we're going to be talking about how to actually secure that home loan, how to look for a home first and then secure your finances later, which is not the norm that has worked twice for me. And we're also going to be talking about what you need at the closing table. So I'm super excited for the next episode. I'm super excited to see you back. I hope you all have a great and blessed day. And if nobody else told you this, I love you and God does too.